0: and welcome to a Hilda Dion trilogy wrap-up here with the Hollywood Chop Shop. We are your cinema Brett Mosier and Travis Santana. On uh, this, this wrap-up, we will be doing, what was it? We went with three Hills, an actor, a writer, and a director. So our first one was 2007 Superbad with the actor Jonah Hill. Followed that up with, 2013, or with our writer Hill, Joe Hill, with 2013's Horns and then concluded it out with our director Walter Hill with 1982's 48 Hours. So, Travis, let's go ahead and start it off. What did you think about this trilogy?
1: Um, I think it's going to be an interesting discussion because a lot of times we do pick trilogies that feel a little bit more you know, in kind. In this particular case, it, it, it was kind of scattershot. Uh, obviously, we were relying on people with the last name hill uh that being said as random as it was i enjoyed the trilogy i i think that there's Mm -hmm. a decent amount to talk about in particular i i want to discuss horns and and 48 hours um and i think we both love super bad so i think there's a lot of content here i'm interested to see how we kind of parse these movies together um what about you
0: I just want to ask, do you realize how close we were to having a James Rimmer trilogy with this?
1: I yes, I did. Yeah. I I did notice. And
0: when I say close, I mean if we had done Pineapple Express instead of Superbad, we would have had one. That's how close we were.
1: Wait, is Rimmer in Pineapple Express?
0: He is a, he's a, I think he's a detective in Pineapple Express. Oh. Like yeah, he is we were and that's why I say close because that's the same group. Super bad with Seth Rogen. I'm like, we were, we were that close to actually just making a James Remar trilogy.
1: Well, I wonder then, is James Remar gonna be Jack Palance 2.0? Are we gonna look for James Remar in the future? I hope so. I, it could
0: be. It could be. But yeah, I, I thought it was hysterical because I was like, oh my god, I can't believe we, we accidentally chose two movies with him in it, and then we accidentally chose two movies with breakout performances. <laughs>
1: That That is very true. And uh, I don't know, we didn't discuss this in the 48 Hours rap, but did you notice, uh, you've seen The Warriors, correct? Yes. Uh, did you notice that character names, Luther, is James Remar in The Warriors? Mm-hmm. And Luther in 48 Hours is played by a gentleman who was also in The Warriors. So, All of this feels very much of a a snake eating its tail. So I think it's interesting when we kind of accidentally run into these things.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I I so badly wanted to find out that James Remar was was somewhere in the background or saw something in Superbad. Because I was like, it would be insane if we just accidentally managed to pick three movies that he
1: was in after going after Hill movies. Just throw him (laughs) into the background of the Superbad party and there you go.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh but ultimately I did I really enjoyed this trilogy too. I um you know, not to put the cart in front of the horse, like Super Bad was obviously my favorite. I think if you listened to the reviews you would know that. But there was none of these that I finished just saying like I hated that. Like that was that was a complete waste. There's definitely I think it's interesting because when you look at forty eight hours, it's like, oh, this is a blueprint for the, you know, the the modern buddy cup genre so it was interesting kind of going back in time and seeing where kind of all that started horns i i really enjoyed the first two two two-thirds of the first two acts i just thought it kind of fell off and 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 didn't really represent itself well when we got to the actual climax of the movie Yeah, super bad was fantastic all the way through uh couldn't recommend that movie enough but ultimately yeah considering how loosely we we tied these together which just had to have somebody with a a last name hill i i thought it was a, a pretty decent trilogy
1: And I I guess I'll jump right into it because this was the main point I wanted to discuss. You look at a movie like Horns, I think, especially once we got into what the book that Joe Hill wrote was, Horns, it just felt like a movie that was way too overstuffed because we talked about Hmm. the ultimate villain of Horns is kind of just randomly thrown into the third act there's no setup in him being the villain because for some reason they decided to make a you know a a law and order you know crime of the week type Mm -hmm. setup where you're continuously guessing on who could be the killer uh so it feels like there was too much content there and then in our 48 hours review i kind of commented on the fact that the movie is known for being eddie murphy's star turn it 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 let you know that he was a superstar that Hollywood would have to, you know, reckon with for a decade to come. But plot wise, there's not much to 48 hours. I, like we said, literally, if Reggie is just transparent at the beginning of the movie, then it would just become him getting sprung out of jail and then him and Kate's going to a parking garage and then waiting until Monday morning um so it's interesting to contrast a movie that has way too much going on and then a movie that really doesn't have anything going on other than the performances
0: yeah well and what's interesting too is all three of them it seems like a lot of the motivation of the characters is getting laid um, so, some
1: trim get some trim brad
0: you getting get some trim you know you're just a skirt you're just a skirt behind the counter whatever the fuck that line was in 48 hours but like I honestly believe Eddie Murphy, the whole reason that he didn't just go to the car garage is like he just thought he was going to go try and get laid with his 48 hours out, which to me is crazy that you would put that much risk when you know you're getting out in six months, I'm like, it just seems like you've already been there for, in there for two and a half years. Like, yeah, I would imagine I would want to, you know, try and make a conquest. Well, it like,
1: gets hard when the wind blows, Brett,
0: when the wind blows, it just seems like you're, it's so short sighted that it's like, no, let's get out make sure my money's safe. And then once that's done, like I just, I got six months to go and I'll be, you know, I'll, I'll be home free.
1: Yeah. It's, it's funny because, uh, 48 hours, you know, uh, towards the end when uh, Hammond is like, hey, you know, maybe he went back to Chinatown to get his girl. And, you know, Kate's is like, hey, let's pursue that. And Reggie's like, yeah, it's pretty thin. Um, mm-hmm. You know, pretty thin as a description of a case or a plot is something that comes back in Lethal Weapon. Mm-hmm. It's just funny because you could literally describe the plot of 48 Hours as thin.
0: <laughs> yeah. Convict tries to get laid for forty-eight hours while trying to save his money. Cop angry <laughs> looks for vengeance.
1: <laughs> yeah, thin, thin. Yeah,
0: no, it's there. There wasn't a whole lot to it. So, which I don't know if that's because you needed to. The you know the main point was supposed to be the chemistry between you know Reggie and and Jack as opposed to you know this thick plot or anything like that. It's also weird because it winds up being that Jack is completely right. Like, oh, no, they, they were back in Chinatown. So not sure why uh, why Reggie thought that wasn't a very good idea.
1: Yeah, I did love, though, that, you know, Jack is like, well, hey, it might be thin, but I guess, you know, if you don't believe that that's the case, we'll just take you back to prison. I, I did enjoy <laughs> that because, yeah, that changed Reggie's tune. Like, yeah, you know, Chinatown, let's go. Yep. Uh,
0: yeah. It just, uh, yeah, it. I, I, I just don't. I don't have a whole lot to say about the three of them. I mean, they. I think again, getting laid seems to be. And then with horns, he gets laid at the beginning, but it's all about again trying to get revenge because of a past, you know, girlfriend and stuff like that. So it's, it's oddly all very.
1: Hmm? Well, now let me ask you a question though, um, because I think two of the three movies in this trilogy, we kind of commented on. How does this age? You know, Superbad was what 2007, mm-hmm. uh, and then you've got 48 Hours, which is 1982. Um, it's interesting to think that both movies are a little bit problematic uh, in terms of the language used, but I felt like Superbad did a much better job of by the end of the movie because we talked about in 48 Hours how Cates has that dropped line of, you know, hey. You know, I'm not really a racist. I don't really hate you. I'm just kind of using the tools that society has put in place to keep you down. And that's kind of the only lip service paid to some of the problematic language. Whereas in Superbad, uh, you know, our heroes use all kinds of slurs, especially Seth. I mean, you know, Mm -hmm. drops a lot of stuff that's problematic. But by the end of the film, I truly believed that Seth and Evan – they didn't have a hateful bone in their body. Whereas by the end of 48 hours, I'm like, I still don't believe that you're not a piece of shit, Jack Cates. So that was an interesting contrast to me.
0: Yeah. And I think it goes back to when you're looking at what the age of Seth and Evan were supposed to be. It's one of those like, yeah, they're young. Like it's kind of for You can kind of forgive them because they don't know better as opposed to Jack Cates is a detective. So he's been around the block a couple of times. And like at this point, like he is just being a total total fucking asshole um and that's why i can only imagine in 48 hours why they chose to put that scene in the the black bar is so that basically you know jack is out of his element and it's not him just being a total racist there like you know it's not like i can't believe i'm here we got to get the hell out of here like he sits down at the bar to have a drink like yeah you know makes the joke about like yeah i'm a regular here or something like that where but um like i i can only imagine that that was Again, it was constructed as a way to show that he's not just a blatant racist, that he is just, unfortunately, an asshole for for pretending to be one in an effort to control Reggie.
1: Yeah, and to quote the movie, that, that characterization is pretty thin. Because I, I I just don't believe that Jack Cates really believes what he's saying. Which hey you know I'm just using this as a tool of the system. I mean, literally before that fight starts, he hits Reggie with the hard R. I don't I don't fight fair. You know, in yeah. words. So uh, it's just interesting. Both movies I think could suffer from that. You know, let's cancel this movie because the language used. If you're gonna cancel one or the other, you know, cancel 48 hours because Super Bad again does a perfect job, but by the end of the movie, you still love both characters. You think that at 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 their core, they're still good people. Mm. I'm I'm still iffy on Jack Cates. You know, maybe I, I, I maybe think, Go ahead.
0: I think with Jack Cates, I think it goes back to again that Bobo Dirty Harvey, where it's supposed to be like, oh, he's not a racist because he hates everybody. And it's like it's such a, you know, it's it's a. It's a ridiculous way to look at things. Like, oh no, he he's not using the n word as because he's a racist and hates black people. He just he's he's you know that rough with everybody. He looks down on on everyone, and it doesn't matter who you are. It's like that does that's not really an excuse to use that. Like, oh, just because he's willing to call anybody a racial slur, he does he's not doesn't really have he's not a, a hateful person. He's just you know equal opportunity offender here.
1: Yeah, and I guess and maybe this would have been a better question for the actual forty eight hours review, but. Uh, from a character growth standpoint, what is the growth of Jack Cates in 48 Hours? Just that he he doesn't want to steal Reggie's money at the end. He's like, hey, just let me borrow some money for a convertible. Uh, the rest of it I'll have for you when you get out. Is Is that the ultimate...
0: I, I guess. think the growth for him is that they're they're partners at the end of the day that there's a mutual respect and it's not one of those where he's going to take Reggie's money or he wants half of Reggie's money like it's one of those like he has his own code regardless if it's you know and I think that's a, a typical Western thing like your your cowboy has a code now what that code is 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 up to him but at the end of the day there is a mutual respect and he's like no it'll be waiting here for you and like yeah I I think it's just a matter of Jack isn't on an island anymore like Jack was willing to work with with Reggie, and that's the resolution is that they wind up doing it together
1: yeah, and I guess I just would have liked to have seen more growth from Kate's uh I guess mm. maybe specifically towards his girlfriend, you know, and played by a neto tool because i I don't feel like any of that is resolved with Jack's character by the end, whereas in Super Bad, you know you're talking about you know, Seth going to the party and providing the alcohol to Jules and Jules is kind of like, hey, you know, I don't drink. And what I loved about Superbad, that moment when Seth is like, come on, Jules, you drink, you drink. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just comedy. It was, you could, you could feel that character having an epiphany and a realization of Hey, maybe maybe I'm just I'm good enough as is. I don't need Mm -hmm. to necessarily provide this extra incentive for somebody to like me. Whereas Kate's I I didn't feel like that growth was there. Um, And yeah, not to tip my hand too much, but I think that's why Superbad of this trilogy is going to be far and away my my number one.
0: Well, it's also interesting, too, with the, you know, the growth and development of Cates is at the beginning, he want, you know, Gantz gets away because his partner convinces him not to take the shot. Right. And then at the end of the movie, again, their partners, I guess it's one of those things where like Eddie Murphy says, take the shot. But he's like, I was bluffing. But I mean, Cates was going to do that regardless. Like Cates was was on a war path. His he was going to get Gantz one way or the other.
1: Yeah, and he was not going to let history repeat itself, mm-hmm. um, you know, regardless of what Reggie said. So, yeah, I think that's a good point. You know, Reggie's like, hey, I was bluffing. Cates, for all we know, really didn't even hear Reggie. Like you said, he had that. I I think you mentioned it. It was one of my favorite parts of the movie where you could Nolte gave the performance like, I'm locked in on this. I've already let you get away once. I'm not going to do it again. I don't think what Reggie said had any bearing on what Cates was going to do.
0: No. And it's interesting because, again, building on what the buddy cop is, like that's a typical buddy cop thing is one's going to have to save the other one. But typically it's like, like, oh, he saved him. This was to me, Cates was going again to kill Gantz. Like his objective was to get Gantz. He didn't save Reggie so much as he completed his primary objective of avenging his partner's death at the hotel. there wasn't that moment where where jack cates had to decide between am i gonna get the bad guy or am i going to to save my partner reggie and i think that's what you see in modern in uh, you know again the built upon modern buddy cop is that moment where like they had to decide between their partner and doing what they set out to at the beginning and you didn't get that like cates just was laser focused and got what he wanted
1: and you know, again, maybe this is something I should have brought up in the Forty Eight Hours review, but we were talking about how Forty Eight Hours was the blueprint of of buddy cop movies. I think it's pretty clear that that Jack Cates was kind of a preliminary Martin Briggs mm-hmm. uh, in terms of you know, hey, he's he's kind of a loose cannon. You know, he, you know, we didn't even mention Cates is always busting out a flask in this movie. Yeah. Um, you know and it's interesting to contrast that with you know lethal weapon is just basically remaking 48 hours but instead of the partner being a crook from prison it's just another cop and you can't help but look at hey uh you know Eddie Murphy's a black guy Danny Glover's a black guy but hey what if we make the black guy the polar opposite of a you know criminal who's just looking to get laid. Well, that's mm-hmm. a, a family man, which is what Roger Murtaugh is. Um, yeah. So again, yeah, that dynamic is there. Yeah.
0: Well, it's a th- yeah. To your point, which if you've got to if you're not going to make them both cops, how are you going to make them, you know, different from one another? So, yep. I. The the yeah the the Jack Cates you know Maverick cop it goes back to that whole Western thing where it's like he's he's got his justice is on his mind and it's an ends justifies a means like he doesn't have to be the the knight in shining armor cop as long as he gets the bad guy at the end he can be he can drive the beat up Cadillac he can drink on the job he can beat the
1: shit out of perps you know and you know this this might be a little bit of a tip to my character swap but isn't it interesting to contrast the two cops in super bad against uh, you know, Jack Cates because both of them, you know, Jack Cates, you know, drinking on the job uh, you know, Seth Rogen and Bill Hader drinking on the job, you know, police brutality is, is kind of top of mind uh, maybe unintentionally with 48 hours, but that's also touched upon in super bad. So it's kind of interesting to also contrast the, the, cop partner elements between 48 hours and super bad
0: Mm -hmm. no for sure so i mean it's interesting There, there i think there's a a natural comparison because you have that whole buddy system between super bad and 48 hours horn still winds up kind of being the outlier on this and yeah I, i just i don't have much to say about horns and i think a lot of that is just because of the bad taste that that third act. And I think that just goes to movies in general. Like it's amazing how you can have a pretty standard, pretty good first two acts. But if you don't know how to stick that landing, it's just one of those things where like the rest of the movie means nothing. Cause all you do is remember how ridiculous and stupid the, the end of the movie winds up being.
1: Well, and it's interesting to say, cause I don't have much to say about horns as far as a wrap up conversation, but I, I almost wonder if horns suffers from not having a counterweight to, to Ig because um, mm-hmm. we talked about in the book, uh, I, I'm sorry, I can't remember the character that ultimately ends up being the villain. Do you recall his name off the top of your head?
0: Uh, the is lawyer? Is it like Tam or something like that? I think, was it something? Lee,
1: Lee. Lee, there you go. Uh, we talked about how in the book, Lee is much more of a, a co-lead, at least in, you get a lot more of his backstory. I think maybe that's what... Herd's Horns is it's just the Daniel Radcliffe show. Um, And I know it was supposed to be a vehicle to, hey, I'm not Harry Potter anymore. Let me go complete opposite and play something a lot darker, even if there is some mysticism involved. Um, But I think if you made the movie more to what Joe Hill actually wrote, where you're following two different characters and you're getting inside the mind of two different characters... Maybe Mm -hmm. horns could have succeeded a lot more. I know it would have succeeded a lot more, at least in the third act, because at least you know what's going on with Lee and and why he arrives to do what he does.
0: Yeah. The, yeah, the big reveal makes sense as opposed to just being a, okay, we've decided this is who done it.
1: But yeah, I guess my greater point is just, it's difficult to just carry a movie on your own. You know, you watch super bad you can't say whether Seth or Evan is more important in terms of what it does for the movie. 48 hours. I think you could argue the same thing. You need both Kate, you need both, you know, you need Hammond. You need a counterbalance. Whereas horns is just relying on Daniel Radcliffe being compelling. And I think he did a fine enough job acting, but I think the script let him down. Uh, and Mm -hmm. if, if you don't have a great script, you could at least use two characters you care about instead of one.
0: Well, yeah, because you go back to, you know, we compared it to Brick as a better version of that. But Brick has the kingpin, you know, to, to kind of counterbalance the the main character there. And yet Dan, Daniel Radcliffe, he's really just wandering through the town until the very end of the movie.
1: Yeah, you don't feel like he's doing any sort of detective work. It It feels like, and I guess it's hard to compare because Horns has that supernatural element. So you have a lot of scenes where you know, he's the devil on somebody's shoulder. Um, But it it kind of feels like Ig is just stumbling into things. Uh, There's not, you know, maybe it could have benefited from Brick being, Brick was a detective story through and through. It was a Mm -hmm. detective noir. It didn't feel like Ig was really discovering anything. Like Mm -hmm. anything that happened to it was like, oh, Hey, I I can control snakes. I just realized that I can control snakes. So let me take out Heather Graham with these snakes.
0: Yep. So, well, I don't have much more to talk about in terms of the comparing the three movies. Do you want to go ahead and start doing some of our, are there something syrup? We can, we can talk about how we rank these. We can go ahead and do the, the critic and the audience rankings where do you want to go with this
1: uh yeah let's start let's see what critics and audiences thought of it uh, All of right. the trilogy
0: so using rotten tomatoes as our scorecard because we like it's basically a pass or fail grade as opposed to trying to figure out you know what oh, was a 6.6 out of 10 or some shit like that um what we're going to do is we're going to look at the critics response and audience scores and i want you to rank them for me what you think was number 1 down to number three, starting with what you think critics liked the best of these three movies. If you want, I can give you how many people rated them if you think that will help influence your decision.
1: Now, I, I, I'm very confident in my order uh, in terms of what uh, the critical and audience response was. Um, I can't
0: wait to hear this.
1: Take it to the bank. All right. Number all right. one. Super bad. Number two, 48 Hours. Number three, Horns.
0: And I hate to tell you, you are wrong.
1: For critics?
0: For critics. Hey. 93% of critics liked 48 Hours, followed by super bad at an 87, and Horns comes in at a
1: 43%. Okay, so I got one and two wrong. Yes. I wonder, though... The reviews of 48 Hours, are they all basically upon release? Are these 1982 reviews? There's
0: 46 reviews. Um, most of them, I don't know if they're they're copy and paste or not, uh, but it looks like they started around 2005, 2002. Nope, it goes further than that. 2000 is the first one.
1: Yeah, so no, I, I think I think a lot of those are reprints of you know 48 enjoyable, hours. Enjoyable,
0: edgy romp. Uh, it is more memorable of its characters than for its high style. Agree. Uh, there's one this film never worked for me. It was a was a, a a shot down. Um before Nolte was in rehab and Murphy was making movies like Pluto Nash. Who can say which fate is worse? The two got together in a pretty <laughs> decent little buddy cop movie.
1: I like, I like whoever that reviewer is.
0: Yeah. Uh, so, I I think it just goes down to again more people. I c- I could see I could see why this why Forty Hours ranked higher. If I'm honest, because if it's on a pass and f- pass or fails scale, I can see why more people were like Forty Hours again. Blueprint pretty sh- safe if you're willing to accept that the over the safe in terms of plot wise and all that if you're willing to overlook all the racial slurs and the sexism it it's a pretty safe film if you're if you're willing to overlook that then it just becomes edgy (laughs) as as opposed to super bad i i can see where people would have been like i don't find it like because it's supposed to be a pure comedy where if you don't find that funny you're not going to give it a positive score
1: that's the tweet length review, 48 hours. If you can get past the racism <laughs> and the sexism, it's, it's a pretty safe, fun story. <laughs> now, here's what I'll say, though. I'll double down. Audience score, I bet I'm right. I bet I'm right on that order.
0: Audience is like horns. the best.
1: You're you're a liar. I already no, know you're I'm a liar. liar. I'm a liar. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, audience, audience score... Uh, Superbad, another 87. So, critics and audiences agreed on this. 87% of people enjoyed it. Uh, 48 Hours came in at 69, and Horns came in at 49. Yeah. Yep.
1: So, yeah, I think the audience score clearly reflects a more modern review of this, which, yeah, there's no way 48 Hours is going to fly as much as it did in 1982.
0: Yep. The critic consensus on 48 Hours was marking an auspicious feature film. Yeah, auspicious feature film debut for Eddie Murphy, I think it's auspicious. 48 hours. Yeah, auspicious, that's what I said. Ausp- <laughs> auspicious feature. I'm not the reader here, okay? We we've heard enough of my my bloopers to know that. Uh 48 hours is a briskly paced action comedy that succeeds largely due to the outstanding chemistry between the two leads.
1: Yeah, hard to argue with that.
0: So uh But yeah, so that was where we came with in terms of critics and audience scores. Uh I think I have a feeling I know where both of us are gonna fall on this one. So I'll let you take it from the top here. What what is we're gonna do our subjective and objective rankings. So the reason we like to break these into two is there's plenty of times where you can look at a movie and, and decide that you know that you know objectively this is a better movie in the trilogy, but at the end of the day, you just liked another movie different. So that's why we like to to go ahead and break these into our subjective and objective rankings. I think we start with objective here. You know, our our critic side of of the of the house. Objectively, where do you rank these three movies? Uh,
1: objectively, um, super bad number one. 48 Hours, number two. Horns, number three. Um, I'm going to save my comment because subjectively, my order differs. So I just want to see what you think objectively.
0: Uh, Objectively... Object, I mean, Super Bad is definitely my number one objectively. I think in terms of like a pure comedy, yes, it has vulgarity and stuff like that. And I'm not sure if people are going to appreciate that, but I think story-wise, yeah, you know, it's got heart in it. It's got heart. It has um,
1: vulgarity. I was gonna say, Brad, it's vulgar it's vulgar, but it has heart.
0: But but it has heart. Um I I think that it succeeds at its mission better than the other two films. Um, with that same logic in mind, I think I'm still gonna put 48 hours objectively above horns and a lot of it i i I can't echo it enough a lot of it comes down to that third act where just tonally it makes a huge shift the payoffs don't make a whole lot of sense and i think that movie just falls apart as it rushes to get to the end which is weird because it was already i think over two hours long and it still had to rush to get to the end of what it was doing which on paper doesn't seem like the whole thing him figuring out he can you know cause people to to do their temptation and all that. It doesn't seem like it should take that long to establish in the movie to get there. Uh, but yes, objectively, I'm going to say super bad 48 hours horns.
1: Did you want to lead with your subjective?
0: Subjectively, I'm going to go ahead and say super bad 48 hours and horns. I still, I can't forgive that third act 48 hours. Again, I, I, I hate to say that that throwaway line in, in the bar when Nick Nolte says, you know, oh, I'm just trying to put you down. Like, I don't really mean that stuff. Like, I think that line is very important for that film because it gives the the first portions of it context where you're like, like you said in, in our review, where I text you like, I'm 15 minutes in this movie. I'm like, holy shit. Like, I cannot believe the amount of, of sexism and racism <laughs> that we have endured in the first 15 minutes of this movie. But the, at the, towards the end of the movie, it's revealed like there, there's a reason. I think there's some intent behind that. Um, so I, I, would, I would have to put it in, in the same category. I, I just think that, that Horns, it just fails at what it was trying to do, which is a shame because I think the source material, have they stayed a little bit closer? Like we joked about I think they stayed too close to the source material, but I think they they kind of cherry-picked what they wanted to stay close to, and I think it just wasn't successful.
1: Yeah, no, I, I can't argue with that. Um, subjectively, let's get it out of the way. Super Bad still number one for me because, like you said, it nailed its objective perfectly. It's a raunchy comedy, but by the end of the movie, it's one of those things where I when I watched Super originally, it was I was belly laughing. I was hysterically laughing at a lot of the jokes. But walking out of the theater, which you've discussed, especially with Horns, the third act is important. The third act, it could have easily just been more raunchy jokes, but the third act is so much about building a heartfelt relationship between our two leads, and it succeeds Mm -hmm. in gangbusters. So you're getting inappropriate, side-splitting comedy along with just a ton of heart. Uh, so yeah, super bad, far and away, not even close. Number one. Here's where I'll get a little bit wonky on you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put Horns as number two. And okay. He, and this is subjective, and, and this is the re, the exact reason we do this. Subjectively, if I'm watching a movie, unless it's an all time classic and it just stands alone. The next best thing a movie can do is kind of projecting me out into looking into other material, stuff that's similar to this, stuff that inspired this. Mm -hmm. Um, Horns, again, it's a complete failure in the third act, but yet... It, it, it intrigues me to look into other works of Joe Hill, specifically the book, which this is based upon. Um, obviously, I'm a big fan of Stephen King. This is his son. I can kind of draw connections. I mean, I mentioned the Dead Zone in our review of Horns. It gets me going to look for other stuff. Uh, but I know that there's a premise here that is, is promising if it wasn't executed. 48 Hours is just... I put it third because it's just such a crude version of much better stuff that comes out within the same decade. You know, again, Lethal Weapon, all the works of Shane Black, it was all building to that. Um, So, yeah, I guess I get subjective. The lore of Horns... um, intrigues me a lot more than 48 Hours, because I feel it's necessary to watch Horns to get a kind of introduction to Joe Hill, whereas if I wanna watch 48 Hours, I'll just watch Lethal Weapon instead. I'll just watch The Long Kiss Goodnight. I'll just watch Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. There's not a direct one-to-one comparison for Horns, so it intrigues me a little bit more. When you have two-thirds of a good setup and you fail on the ending, uh, I give that a little more credence than I do a movie like 48 Hours, which is just a rough cut of much better shit that's to come. Especially, like mm-hmm. I said, the genre that 48 Hours exists in, I would maybe barely it hangs onto the top 10 of that genre. Whereas at least Horns, I feel like was trying to do something.
0: Well, it's funny you bring up genre too, because we didn't really bring it up at the beginning of the rap, but these are actually all classified as comedies. Superbad is a pure comedy, 100%. 48 Hours is considered an action comedy, and Horns is considered a comedy mystery th- thriller, which we always thought was weird because we thought Horns was going to be a horror movie, and it wound up being like, it doesn't really have a whole lot of horror elements, you know, with the exception of Meatbag getting his face blown off and a woman being raped and murdered, so which also falls into the thriller category. <laughs> um, but yeah, all three of these are... are are labeled as comedies.
1: Yeah, and I think I think it was a big mistake for Horns. I, I don't know how comedic the book played. I think it was a mistake for Horns to even try to dip a toe into the comedic water. Um but again, let me just say I think the first two third the, the first two-thirds of horns is what puts it above 48 hours for me um yeah you walk out of the theater with a nasty taste in your mouth by the way horns ends but i think that setup is enough to push it ahead of 48 hours which is just a lesser version of what is to come
0: yeah sometimes i like reading other people's like uh twitter reviews we should start doing our own version of like quick one sentence reviews of movies like one of these for for horns. It seems to have been made by people who couldn't decide if their film was a horror flick, a whodunit or a hellboy knockoff. It's like,
1: damn. Yeah. And, I mean, that nails it.
0: Hmm. Yeah. So I, that's our objective, subjective role or uh, reviews here. I think, you know, now we'll get into our favorite part of the show. Save the best for last with with a good old character swap. So this is the part where me and Travis choose to take one character out of one movie and plant them or replace them with a character in another Travis, you seem to, to, to think you've got a pretty strong one this week. You kind of alluded to it. It made me laugh um, as you, you teased it. So I'll go first because uh, I don't think mine is nearly as strong. Um, I was actually going to take Ig out of horns And put him in super bad. And essentially what I want to do is I want to replace him with the weird cousin who hits Seth with the car. And ultimately, Ig winds up being the reason they wind up going to the party. And wind up in that whole situation is because of Seth's temptation. Like basically, Ig kind of convinces them that they should go to this party to try and get the alcohol. And that basically sets off more of the events and the ridiculousness of the party. Maybe at a certain point, Seth now winds up doing cocaine because Ig is there. And like the debauchery of that party just goes completely off the rails because Ig has now been introduced to this party where everyone's already kind of thinking about it. And they're in this atmosphere where like, do will I, won't I? And all of a sudden you've now introduced the king of temptation, who's going to allow you to go and and do whatever you want. And like Ig is, it's going to give an opportunity to Ig to really embrace the devil Uh, in himself and just again that party just winds up getting even way crazier like the fights wind up breaking out there's more drug usage like again it just it winds up being crazy
1: i i love that because even in super bad uh when evan is kind of stuck in that room the the moment he knows things are a little bit out of control if somebody comes in they're like hey they're going to kill that guy tonight so mm-hmm. i like your in- insertion of ig into that because in super bad we know hey it's 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 an r but it's it's r for the the language not necessarily the violence mm-hmm. but but having ig there i'm like yeah we know what ig is capable of in terms of influencing people if if they're thinking if they're mad enough to commit murder, Ig is going to be that last little push that actually leads to, yeah, there's going to be a homicide in Superbad.
0: Yeah, especially if we were to truly cross the two universes where, like, that is while Ig is looking for, like, maybe he goes to that party to find somebody who he thinks has information, and, like, that's why he winds up there,
1: you know? Which, I mean, there are so many nefarious characters in that Superbad bad party scene that you could easily mm-hmm. think yeah they might have been involved with the murder of a, a teenage girl mm-hmm. so yeah I think you you sold yourself short that's uh that's a pretty good one I'm yeah I am a little bit now hesitant about giving mine but we'll see
0: <laughs> alrighty your character swap sir I'm looking forward to it what do we got
1: so in true Hollywood chop shop history I'm gonna break the rules. <laughs> uh, this is not going to be a one character to one movie swap. Oh, OK. What I'm doing, the the universe that we're entering is going to be horns. But what the horniverse, in- the horniverse. Are you horny? <laughs> uh, what we're going to insert into that is not one. Buddy cop. Duo, but two buddy cop duos you could have three buddy cop duos if you wanted wait who who's the buddy cop duo on horns
0: the two the two um uh what is it deputies oh, that decide lovers. that they're in love with each oh, other
1: shit. you could have
0: you could oh. have a triple buddy
1: cop here this is going to be the avengers of buddy cops <laughs> then right because we already have the gay lovers and horns but joining them will be Bill Hader and Seth Rogen. They're investigating the death of uh, Marin. And then we're going to have Jack Cates and Reggie Hammond. They're all going to descend on this small town to try to help with this investigation. And here's the biggest reason I did it. Because again, you did not point out the fact that we'll have a triple buddy cop. Is that a menage a trois? I don't know what that would be considered. Orgy? I don't know. Yeah, but that scene at the end where Ig becomes, like you said in your tweet link that you you quoted, when he Ig becomes Hellboy, I want to imagine both Bill Hader and Seth Rogen, along with Reggie Hammond and Jack Cates, all being there to witness that and just being like, "What the fuck is going on?" <laughs> Like, can you imagine that scene in the woods where, you know, hey, Lee, all of a sudden is a psychopath that was not established at all. And Ig is turning into Hellboy. And we just have the ridiculous cops from Superbad in 48 Hours being like, "Eh, this is not what we signed up for. What the fuck is going on? (laughs) And then, yeah, I guess, you know, our, our third buddy cop duo, one of them just gets their head fucking blown off. And that's when I guess, you know at least in the super bad cops case oh shit this is this could be actual real violence <laughs> we're, not, we're not cut out for this
0: uh, oh that's fantastic so th- yeah three three buddy cops meet in the woods with a boy who becomes the devil
1: yeah they're, <laughs> and they're a psychopathic
0: public defender
1: yeah <laughs> They're all kind of pursuing their case in their own way, but it all leads to the tree ha- the magic treehouse in the woods where Ig is gonna turn into a demon, but still can get beat up by a public defender.
0: I just I picture it's one of these things where like somehow Jack and Jack and Reggie wind up there because that's where J- Reggie hid his second stash of money was in the treehouse that he found, and then Bill Hader and Seth rogan are out there because they heard that there's some kind of like party that they needed to break up or something like that, or there's some some teenagers having sex in the woods that they <laughs> needed to go try and stuff, and they all just like they're all there for a completely different like what the fuck is happening.
1: <laughs> that boy just sprouted horns. What the fuck is going on? <laughs> oh, no, that'd be great. Yeah, so uh, that's what I wanted to do. Again, I, I'm always breaking the rules, but we, we could have our first ever crossover of all three movies. And I think oh, man. the shitty third act of Horns is the perfect place to insert uh, the comedy. <laughs> For them to from the all other, meet. Yeah, the other two <laughs> movies.
0: Oh, fantastic. Alrighty, sir. I think that concludes this wrap up. Uh, You know, next we've got our some kind of automotive trilogy. We'll still come up with a, a catchier name than that, but we'll be doing Vanishing Point or Drive and then Gone in 60 Seconds and then Vanishing Point or Drive.
1: I mean, full disclosure, Brett... As I repeated in my head, you said reverse chronological order, which means it clearly should lead with Drive. So if you're willing to make that commitment, uh, we can start with Drive next week.
0: I just thought it would be interesting, almost like what we did with this, with 40 hours. I just feel like there's going to be stuff in Vanishing Point that influenced Gone in 60 Seconds and Drive. And I thought it would be interesting to go back in time and then be able to either look like oh that and vanishing point like oh that definitely like i can see where that influence try it doesn't either way we do it it's going to have the same result i just i wanted to make sure that vanishing point was either at the beginning or the end so that we could see how that influenced movies afterward i, I also am not sure i don't think you're going to particularly like vanishing point um because if i remember it correctly i think it's a it's a pretty fucking slow burn Um, I think it's one of those where it's it's almost the opposite of horns, where I think you're going to despise the first two acts of it. And then the third act, you're going to be like, okay, I can understand why people bring this movie up uh, because it has a hell of a conclusion. But I, I if I again, if I recall correctly, it's a it's a pretty slow burn up until the end. Well, now
1: I'm conflicted. I don't I don't I don't. I don't know which... which do you years.
0: want to start strong or do you want to start off with this trilogy off with a movie that, in all intents and you're probably not going to enjoy very much? That's really what... It, it's up to you. How do you want to start the next trilogy off? Do you want to start it off bitching or with praising? Because I'm pretty sure you've seen Drive and you like Drive.
1: Uh, you know, the listeners will just have to find out on that. <laughs> yes. No, I, I, I... Spoiler. I'm I'm going to be very positive about Drive. But here's the thing. Here's what I'll say. I have not watched drive as a part of the Hollywood chop shop. I try to be a lot more critical. Uh, So fuck it. Let's start with drive.
0: All right. We're going to start with drive and we're going to end it with vanishing points. So we hope to see you next week for drive and uh, yeah, have a great rest of your day, night weekend. I don't know what you're doing right now.
1: I'm trying Ah. to remember what, uh, when McLovin is walking down the hallway following the girl and she turns around and looks at him, he's like, hey, it's it's ten thirty three. We'll see you next week with Drive.